Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Vaughn from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Isaiah chapters 31, 32, and 33. Chapter 31 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. And yet he is wise and brings disaster. He does not call back his words, but he will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the helpers of those who work iniquity. The Egyptians are man and not God, and their fleshes and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the helper will stumble, and he who is helped will fall, and they will all perish together. And you know th- this is um, this is a powerful passage to start with in chapter thirty-one because it says. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. Okay, so like you kind of got to be careful about your Egypt, your place that is, um, it looks like there's a strength in it. And it's the place that it says that you go down to. So it's the place that you pursue. Um, It's the place that you look for help at. It says that woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. So it's where you find your your help. And then it says, and you rely on its horses. So you put your, your, your leaning on, on it. You're, you're codependent upon this thing to give you some, some source of strength. Then it says, and who trust in. So there's security in it. You trust in chariots because they are many. And in horsemen because they are very strong. And so... You know, for us, we we a lot of times have Egypts in our own life, and it's places like 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 they did, where they admired the beauty and the strength uh, that they could see with their eyes, and they would pursue Egypt, and they would consult with Egypt, and they you know felt safe with Egypt, and you know there's you have to make sure that that you don't accidentally allow for these this to allow this sort of egyptian relationship to form in your own life right and and so because it says but they did not look to the holy one of israel or consult the lord and you know there's a lot of times where you know and, and I'm trying to make this personal because for us it's maybe strange the concept that they would have looked to another nation in such an idolatrous way, right? But the the nations were a all you know close together and bordering, and and they, it would have been just a different climate to where um, some would really be prospering while others were really failing. 
and you know the ones that were uh, the the margin between the prospering and the failing was quite wide, and so this is a different culture. It's hard for us to understand. It's it, you know it's you know no one's ever going to say you know woe to those who go up to Canada for help you know and rely on their uh, you know. Uh, what are those called? Those big horses, <laughs> those big Clydesdales, you know, it's like, you know, there's something we, we don't understand that concept. You know what I mean? You know, or down to Mexico, you know, we, we don't, we, we don't quite grasp it in that way, but it, but it's, it's okay. We don't, we don't necessarily need to, because he wasn't upset with where they, the place that they were going. He was upset because their heart had, had, had lifted up something else, somewhere else and felt like there was strength there, and so where you where you perceive the greatest strength as will always be the place you seek the most. Okay, and so for them it was Egypt. For us, sometimes it's money. For sometimes for us, it's that that you really think that there is more security and strength in having a lot of money than anything else. So for that reason. You will idolize your work and the way that you make money, your bank account, your process of saving money, you know, your your stocks, your your savings funds, you know, all these sort of different things. If that's what you think is strength, then that's what you'll look to for help. That's what you'll rely on, like their horses, and that's what you'll trust in. Because in your mind, you'll perceive that it's very strong, right? And for, and for other people, it, it's other things you know, that they, that they lean on. And so we just have to be vigilant against this and understand that the Lord wants for us to consult him about everything and for us to recognize that he is the greatest source of strength available. And he is the place where I go. He is who I run to because he's wiser than, than the foolest. He, he, he's, he's more, the, the word says he's more foolish than the wisest of men. Right, because he's not foolish at all. So even the concept of his foolishness surpasses the wisdom of the greatest of people of this world. You know, so where do we we have to think, where do I run to? Where do I run to for help? What do what do I run to for help? Right? Sometimes it's a substance, sometimes it's a it's a form of entertainment, it's a Facebook, it's T V, it's you know, gossip magazines it's you know whatever we have all this weird stuff that we run to and yet we don't look to the holy one of israel or consult the lord and so we just need to make sure that we remember that that all this stuff it's 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 useless but there's a real strength that comes from seeking the lord and so it talks about that in chapter 31 and then in chapter 32 it talks about a king who will reign in righteousness. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. Then the eyes of those who see will not be closed, and the ears of those who hear will give attention. The heart of the hasty will understand and know, and the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak distinctly. The fool will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel called honorable. Nor the, for the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity, to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, to deprive the thirsty of drink. 
And, you know, and so it's saying that there will be a king who will reign in righteousness. Of course, that's King Jesus. And when King Jesus uh, has established his throne, which this has taken place, Jesus is is at the at the right hand of the Father, right? And and so there's again there's a second coming of Christ, but even today, uh, because he has come and because it is finished and because he has offered salvation to us, we have this description that he's talking about. We have this hiding place from the wind, amen. That we have a we have a hiding place from the wind. Um, we have a shelter from the storm. I have a place that I can go and I can be with him. There, I have streams of water in a dry place. I have access to nutrition and, and sustenance apart from um, what's all around me. I have a spiritual nutrition available through this king who reigns in righteousness. And it says that um, there, there's uh, because the, for those of us who make him king, that we then obtain his hunger for righteousness and for justice and for mercy, and so you know that's something that's been on my heart a lot lately. Going through the books of prophecy is that God has such a heart for justice, and He wants His people to have a heart for justice. Right, and 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 it's so easy to not have a heart for justice. It's so easy to have a heart for um, every man getting what they've earned or worked for, instead of God's way of justice, which is if you have, give. If you see someone who has not, you know, make sure that you supply for their need, help the poor, lend a hand to those who can't help themselves. You know that's God's that's God's way of of walking hum- humbly and loving mercy mercy, like like the the prophet Micah spoke, you know. And it's just when, when it says in this day, which we're living in that day, that's how we should walk, is walk in justice and walk in mercy, and um, because we have uh, the hiding place from the wind, we we have the. Um, it actually says a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule in justice. You know, I mean, the the princes are who? The son of the king. You know, I mean, you think, well, who's the son of the king? Man, I'm the son of the king. And so I'm supposed to rule over my life in justice, seeking justice, that, that justice would be served. Not like in a, not a, not in a way of a judge, like I'm going to go and, and and condemn people, but I'm going to do what I can to see that that I can uh, lend a hand to those who need a hand lend to, and that I walk in integrity. And so um, uh, then it goes on and it talks about specifically talks about these these women uh, that were they were stuck in complacency. It's a pretty cool little passage. The end of chapter thirty two: Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. A little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women. And it goes through all these different things. And it's pretty interesting, though, because it I love that it so clearly rebukes complacency. And, you know, there's it, that complacency is a really dangerous thing to have your life full of. And um, it, even, it even specifically targets women. And uh, I'm not one of those people that's afraid to isolate 
how the Bible isolates certain things towards women and to men, because the author of this book is the one who made women and men. So it's not sexist, it's biblical facts that are written toward each gender because of the tendencies that, that he knew that they could have. It's it, He knew that their strengths could be could be manipulated into weakness. So, for example, men are naturally very protective. Men are naturally very passionate, right, about their about their call to be protective. That doesn't mean that a man can't be complacent because he certainly can. But I think about Timothy who who said or Paul who wrote to Timothy who said, "I want men in every house of worship." to have their hands lifted up and to be free of anger and controversy. That's an interesting passage. It's not one that's, he even mentions women. Well, how many just really angry, you know, women do you know? That That's, you know, that's not as great of a tendency. I mean, women get mad, sure. But then I think about Paul's word to the church at Corinth that tells all the women to shut up. Mm. How many women do you know that have a problem holding back their mouth? And how chatty and gossipy and they get, right? It, it, it it's just it's not to say that there's anything wrong with us. It's just actually there's strength in this because there's strength in a in a man that is free of anger and free of controversy, but yet still has those qualities of protecting his family and being an overseer of his house. And there's a there's a quality in in woman and their ability to be content but not to fall into complacency where they they're just um fine being stuck in their mess or in their in their junk and not having a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and for uh justice in their life right and so you know you you just a man will get lost sometimes in his pursuit for success and he'll miss god because he's totally lost his, he's got all this passion. He doesn't need to drop more of passion, but his passion's misdirected. His passion has nothing to do with his, with his God, with his wife, or with his children. That happens a lot, right? That happens more. I don't think I'm. I mean, I could pull all the statistics if you want to, but how about we just look at people that we know and agree? Like that's more common in a man than a woman. How many women do you know that have lost themselves in pursuing of their work and their money and all that, and have forgotten all about their husbands and their children? Does it happen? I know it happens, but you know, common sense says that's more rare. But the woman can get lost in complacency easier than the man, right? The woman can get lost in chattiness. I mean, she's the one that struck up a conversation. <laughs> she's the one that carried on a conversation with with the serpent in the garden. A woman can't resist a good conversation sometimes, right? <laughs> but, you know, but it's just... There's just something about these things. We live at a time where it's like, ooh, this is sexist. No, how about we listen to the one who made us and we think about the things that he specifically, you know, Paul also writes to the women about not finding their identity and their beauty and in their jewelry and in their and in their garments and all this. He goes, ah, that, that's not what it's really all about. I, God wants you to seek uh, this inner beauty. That you make yourself beautiful with with good deeds and and righteous living, you know. And it's like nobody th- when he when he wrote that nobody was like, wow, way to single out the women. It's like no, no, th- this is, these are the blueprints for our life. I need to know what my tendencies are. I need to know where I have strength and where I have weakness. Right? You know, it's like women tend to be more emotional than men. 
Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. It was Mary who was at the feet of Jesus. It was a it was a woman that was that was wiping uh, his feet with with her tears and and her hair and it's this just a completely uh, emotional moment. It's beautiful, right? It was the women who who went to his tomb and anointed his body for burial. It was just I mean it's just there, there, there's so much beauty in this. It's not about who's better or who's worse. It's just about these differences, you know, we need women in our lives. You know, we need the comfort that a woman can bring that a man doesn't often have, you know. But then there's also a steadfastness, uh, kind of a sturdiness, so to speak, of a man. A man's the one that goes to war, you know, and, and he, he defends. He, he has a righteous um, uh, uh, defense, uh, you know, mechanism in him to defend, you know. And it's just, you know, I don't have time to go into a whole study of men versus women but it takes it takes both and i do love it when scripture is unapologetically uh when scripture unapologetically goes hey women do this hey men do this and um you know like there's a passage that i teach a men's group and there's a passage that that i love it says act like men you know and then the whole context of the passage is is uh about being filled with love and it's like wow you know paul knew that we would have a tendency to forget that being a man is about is is about loving you know love the the sort of love that manifests the the sort of love that's easily perceived is comes more natural to to women but you know, and there you see that there's been whole generations of little boys that grew up and said, "My father never gave me a hug." You know, my father never told me he loved me, right? Not as many stories of people say, "My mom never gave me a hug," right? But that doesn't make woman better than man. It just shows the differences in the two, right? And um, but you know, you think about. You know, all this stuff on TV and, you know, they how do they perceive these housewives all the time, right? What are they doing? They're like, they're shopping and they're, you know, getting drunk on wine. And, you know, and the Bible talks about that too. I mean, it's funny. The Bible specifically oftentimes targets women and wine, which is pretty funny because that's a whole, that's a whole fad is, is like, you know, there's all these women that just love to drink wine. But it's funny that thousands of years ago, it was spoken oftentimes like, hey, women, you got, you could easily just lay around and take bubble baths and drink wine, but you need to come out of your complacency. And uh, anyways, I better move on. I've probably done enough damage for one day, haven't I? But it's his words, not mine. So don't be mad at me. I'm just stating that it's okay that we have differences. There, their strengths and their weaknesses. But even the things that are weakness are things that God put in us to be our strengths. But we can't let the enemy get a hold of them, and we can't let our flesh run rampant with them. Or us men will just be angry and lost in our passionate pursuits of nothing. And us women will just be filled with will be filled with more of a natural comfort and a love. But we'll be so complacent that we'll just let our flesh pursue pleasure and beauty and all these outward things more than actually the inward things. And and so it says, um, it says, uh, tremble you women who are at ease. 
Shudder you can place at once. Strip and make yourself bare and tie sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breast for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people. Basically saying, wake up, everything's not okay. Okay, you're masquerading around like everything's fine. And how often does a woman do that? I said I was going to quit doing this and and, um, putting myself in trouble, but I haven't quit yet. But how often does, it's more of a tendency to, for a woman, I feel like, to act like everything's fine, right? A little more makeup, a little more hair product, right? And let's just move along. And it's saying, (laughs) no. Everything's not fine. Take all that garbage off. Throw a sackcloth around your waist and get yourself right with the Lord. Stop caring about the image of what everyone thinks about you. That's a tendency in women. Now I'm unapologetic because now I just feel like I'm preaching to someone, right? Who is it that makes the elaborate social media post about how perfect their little family is, right? You just got done screaming at little Jimmy, just to get him to smile like that, right? You even said a couple of cuss words, but, but then you posted that gorgeous family photo. Oh, my precious angels. God has just blessed us so much, <laughs> you know? That is a tendency of woman, right? Man is not as tempted to do that. We're not saying we're not. We, we do that, but there's also... Don't get me started on us, men. I've got the, the scripture says women. That's that's the only reason I'm talking more about women than I am men today. I could beat the men over the head if I wanted to. We have our own problems. Trust me, a lot of those, right? Scripture says that to to men to their fathers, don't continuously uh, burden your children. You know that's a common tendency of man is to pick our kids apart and make them feel like they can't ever do enough things right, right? And so I just threw that in there just to, so that you know that I'm, I'm an equal opportunity offender of both men and women. But again, I'm just stating that's the, 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 the scriptures say, don't get lost in this concept of just trying to make everything look like it's okay all the time because you'll fool yourself. You'll actually fool yourself because your social media is so clean and so perfect and and yet you're not really trying to raise your kids to righteousness. You're not really trying to give uh, you're not really, you know, devoting yourself to the body of Christ. You're not really trying to grow in the, in the, you know, qualities like we read a month or so ago in Proverbs 31. You're really complacent, just looking like you're the dream girl. You're content just looking like you've got it all figured out, but on the inside, you're this rotting stench of a grave because you're so complacent with how everything looks. So the scripture says, rip all that garbage off, tie a sackcloth around your waist, beat your chest, which is a form of like just repentance and get your heart back right with God. And so this just, not only, this isn't just targeting women, this is targeting complacency. So we have to understand complacency is not what God desires for my life. He wants me. Complacency is what destroyed the kingdom of Israel. They were supposed to keep taking land and they quit taking land. You can never get to a point where you quit taking land. You have to continue to seek new places for God's word to go and to affect and to change and to break off. You know, we need that. And um, it goes on into chapter 32 and it says, the spirit is going to be poured out on high and the effect of this coming forth is going to be righteousness and peace and quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. This is the second time it's talked about quietness and I ran out of time before I got to really dive into it. But I love that fruit. 
that comes from us having the Holy Spirit of God is it should actually make us people that live quiet lives, which means sound lives, meaning uncomplicated lives. And then also that we are okay Uh, not always spreading everything that we're thinking and not talking about all of our fears all the time. And in 33, it says, um, the Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the stability of your times, the abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. And so um, just just an amazing... um, uh, passage. I don't have time to really cover any more today, but um, I just want to just want to encourage this in, in us. And I think I, I don't know. I probably lost my women uh, viewers. Thank you for your time you've spent with the Walk with Me um, <laughs> podcast. Because <laughs> it just became a male only podcast. No, I hope not. Um, I just I want us to understand that there's the same tendencies that we read these scriptures sometimes and we roll our eyes at the the faults of Israel and the things that they've done. But we have to understand it's the things of their flesh, even even the working of the enemy is just the snatching of the loose threads of the flesh and pulling. So it's in me, right? You know, it's like it's like uh pedophilia. You know, it's this disgusting sin. We go, oh my gosh, let them all be burned at the stake. You know, it's just this horrible thing where you just, it's grotesque to you. But how about the fact that the enemy worked that because he found lust in their heart and he pulled at that string. You have to understand that there's a wickedness uh, of the flesh that must be dealt with so that the enemy doesn't get his hands on it. And so what I'm saying is, there's a there's a state of the flesh that can lead you into complacency and will lead you into a wickedness of life if you don't get a hold on that and come before the Lord and start taking land and pursuing righteousness and justice and mercy and not just being complacent with everything, with being a whitewashed tomb like the Pharisees were and everything just looking like it's okay all the time and it not really being okay. And so that's the pursuit of our lives. Inward righteousness of the heart.